Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Rick Morton. Welcome again to the Think Orphan podcast. This is Rick Morton, uh, your co-host, along with Phil Dark, uh, coming to you today. Phil, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, it's good. Been, it's been a good day. Fantastic. Ever in sunny California. You know, we we uh, have actually been rainy California. It's January, so up in Northern California here, um, it's not the beach, you know, sunny pictures all the time. And, you know, it's actually kind of nice. I like that. I'm, I much prefer having, you know, a semblance of a season. It's not snow, and it, but we definitely have fall colors, and, and I grew up in Southern Cal, so I know both. And I, I much prefer, you know, the, the mild seasons that we at least know we're in winter because it gets a bit rainier um so you know and i'm glad it's not super cold because we play soccer and i coach and to stand out in the nighttime games when it's 30 degrees and sleet and kind of nasty uh I, I, you know i don't like that i don't know maybe well, maybe you'd like that since you're kind of alabama birmingham yeah birmingham has been like seattle okay um it's been overcast and rainy and cool for three months, okay. it seems like. And so I understand why people in the Pacific Northwest drink lots of coffee because that's <laughs> kind of what we're doing here right now. But uh, very unusual winter for us. Well, you know, yeah. you know, well, and that's, you know, folks around the world right now, you know, you're in all kinds of different and in different weather. And, you know, that's that's typically what people talk about when they don't have anything else to talk about. But that is absolutely <laughs> not the case here. You know, Rick, Rick and I have tons to talk about, as most of you know, already with a few episodes we've we've co-hosted together. You know, we could talk for hours and hours on end. Unfortunately for you, we don't do that um, with you on this on this podcast. But today we did want to talk and share a little bit, you know, the, one of the reasons why we had a layoff of the length that we did before we started, you know, one was obviously, you know, just with, with Karen, all the stuff she was, that was going on with her, we were, we were delaying a little bit there to try to try to make it so she could come back. But then also, um, we were contemplating changing the name of the podcast. And, you know, I talked with Rick, I talked with Karen, I talked to other people and, you know, I had some conversations with some, some children who were orphaned early and, in their lives and, and went and through orphanages and they, they said that it, you know, kind of the, the term orphan is, is hard for them. You know, I talked to some other people who said, you know, you may want to consider changing the name and we ultimately decided not to, you know, and, and I know that, uh, you know, I want, I want Rick for you to, you know, kind of share what you share with me a little bit and then I'll, I'll kind of finish up before we introduce our guest today um, uh, to, to share my thoughts on it too. But Rick, why, why'd you tell me, you know, you thought it's good to, you know, keep the name the way it is. Well, I, I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, the, the word orphan, first of all, is a it's a biblical word. You know, there's a uh, there's something deeper than just this this idea of of a child deprived of parents or de deprived of family. Um, there's there's a sense of, of loss, a sense of separation. And and there's a greater truth that we're we're talking about. We step into this, you know, into this realm because of what Christ has done for us and how he has changed our our orphan status. I, I think the other part of it is, you know, I say to people in churches all the time that, uh, you know, the one thing that we can can almost guarantee uh, is on any given Sunday when we're meeting in a church that a group of orphans are not going to show up and pick it um, because we, we don't, they're, they're voiceless because they're out of sight, out of mind. And, and what I think the name of this, you know, this podcast even represents is the fact that we want to think about those who are forgotten, those who are orphaned, those who are left behind. And our hope is, um, that, that one day by the power of what, of what God is doing, what God's doing through his church, that, uh, that we won't have to use the word orphan anymore. Uh, but until that day, we want to remember that there are children that are marginalized and forgotten and orphaned, and we want to make sure that we think about them, uh, and that we visit them as James, James talked about. So that's kind of, kind of where I would be coming from in, you know, I don't want to lose, lose use of a good word, um, because we see it used sometimes in a bad context. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's really, you know, 
conversations like that with you and, and really thinking back to why we originally used the, the term in the context of the curriculum that we were starting. And it was really that we want people to think differently about the orphaned, you know, about the orphan, you know, that are among amongst us, you know, to not think about them as they are too often seen around the world as as trash, as, you know, second-rate humans. And, you know, I talk about that in In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence. I've talked about that on some blog posts that I've done. That's unfortunately how they're seen in a lot of a lot of countries, a lot of places, a lot of social contexts. And then to the extent they're thought of, in a lot of other places, people just don't even think about them. And that right. apathy is really, that's the more norm. Like people you yeah. know, just like, you just don't even think about it. And so, you know, God, in in Scripture, it gets so so many different things talking about the orphan and talking about visiting orphans and and really doing life with with the orphans and encouraging them and advocating for them and you know seek justice for the you know bring justice to the fatherless in in Isaiah one and you know words like that or, or commands like that. So that's the type of stuff that that we really came down to was. We want people to think differently about orphans. We want people to think differently about orphan care. We want people to think about the interconnectedness that we often don't think about. We kind of pigeonhole this orphan care as as a side issue in the church rather than as a core part of the DNA of the church. And, you know, those are the things that we ultimately came down to say, you know what, we really think that we need to keep this name because we need to fight for the orphans around the world. And, you know, if, if in the process... You know, it, it might have some some unintended consequences. Everything would have unintended consequences, but at the same time, we are not we're not ignoring that. We actually think, in the long run, it will do so much better and so much more if people are thinking differently about the orphan. And and uh, you know, so that's that's yeah. really what uh, you know what it came down to. You got any last thoughts yeah. before we introduce? No, man. I I just know. I, I think uh, I think what I'm excited about today is that we are. We're getting the privilege to uh, to talk to a couple of people that have have really thought deeply about orphan and vulnerable children. I'm excited about the conversation today, sharing it with our listeners, and uh, and having a chance to you know just to kind of um, you know dwell in it a little bit. Yeah. So on the, you know on that note, we have uh, Aisha De Lopez and David McCormick. Both of them are doing some awesome work in Guatemala. They're going to share. A little bit about on on this interview, and you can you know you can find out a lot more about them. Uh, we'll we'll put a bunch of different places on the wet on the on the show notes that you can go to to find out more about them. They they share a little bit little snippets here in this in this interview, but uh, they also share about the work that they're doing with ACH, um, which is basically it's it's like the the alliance like Christian Alliance for Orphans in Guatemala and Latin throughout Latin America. The work they're doing for that. David uh, heads that up, and Aisha is uh, uh, helps her husband, um, and they together pastor a church down in, in Guatemala City, one of the biggest in Guatemala. And so, you know, it's just this interview just brings joy to my heart as I hear both of their passion um, and the wisdom that they do share with us in this interview. So take out your notebooks and uh, get ready to take some notes. Here they are. Well, Aisha and David, it is so great to finally get you on the Think Orphan podcast. You guys are coming at us all the way from Guatemala. Thank you, Phil, for having us. It's a pleasure, and what a blessing technology can be. Yeah, we're thankful for this this opportunity to share with you and connect from uh, pretty far away. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for the for the. Uh, just being able to really get to share what you you guys and and myself have talked about, you know, whether it's in Guatemala or at CAFO or different places, we've been able to share just just how God's working. And I'm just really excited for other people to hear that as well. So, Aisha, can you just share a little bit with the audience uh, your story and um, just really kind of how you got to be where you are today? Oh, sure. Um, well. <sighs> My husband and I, when we're dating, uh, we actually talked about adoption being a possibility. He had testicular cancer, and even though he didn't uh, require radiotherapy, uh, he did went through chemotherapy. And so, you know, it wasn't unwise to talk about the possibility of us probably not being able to conceive biologically. So, um, you know, we we talked about it and we said we have we would have no issue 
adopting. But then we got married and we had two pretty easy pregnancies and, and births and whatever. And it's a boy and a girl. And culturally here, you're, you're set. If you have a boy and a girl, it's like no reason to keep going. You know what? So, uh, but then, you know, the Lord uh, stirred that desire again in my heart. Uh, my husband is a pastor. Um and uh, so we were busy. We were doing, you know, stuff at church. We were busy. And everything seemed to go on schedule, quote, unquote. And so, um, but there was this deep, you know, dissatisfaction in me. And I don't want to say that it was a void for more kids or a new adventure or anything like that. Um, what I now understand is that I didn't really grasp the depth of what the gospel is. And so even though I was a pastor's wife, I was starting to know Jesus from scripture in a way that I hadn't. And that, I mean, every time we tell the story of adoption, I have to go back to the root of what spurred this in me particularly was my uh, waking up is what I call it. Um, and so my new love for the gospel uh, then uh, brought me as a consequence closer to vulnerable children. Um, and so one of the things I was, I started to pray about uh, was how can I get involved and, and just, and be something, you know, constant and low-key and no, no, no high-profile anything. My husband is pretty well-known here. And so, but I didn't want to do like a big splash. I just wanted it to be a family thing. And so I, you know, I, I prayed about it. And then two weeks later, some ladies from church, older ladies said, you know, we're going over to a children's home, a, a little, a girl's home. Uh, because we don't have foster care basically in Guatemala. We don't, you know, we all work uh, around orphanages, even though that's starting to change. Um, but anyway, they started to visit this home and uh, they wanted to do a special something for Mother's Day in this children's home. And they asked me to come in and, and share something from scripture. And I was so excited. I, just, I, I said yes. And then I thought, what in the world did I get into? Because this is Mother's Day in a place where it's the saddest day for girls who are either away from their mothers or don't have a mom. So, but I said yes, and I came through, and you know, the Lord helped me, and I just went went in there, and I went face to face with reality, and I went to the director of the home and said, you know, would you have me back every Wednesday? And she just basically jumped on me and said, yes, yes, come back every week. They always ask when visitors come, when are they coming back? And so that's what I did for the next year. And I said to my husband, you know, uh, what do you think about bringing the kids at least once a month? And so that's what we started to do. And, and just months into it, you know, I wouldn't do anything out of, you know, it wasn't anything extraordinary. We just sat around, had cookies, and we read the Bible, or, you know, I told stories from the Bible, and we prayed together, and that's all we did Wednesday afternoon. And and so the my biological kids at that time, just uh, my girl and my little boy were about, you know, 10 and 8. And so they started seeing a new reality and hearing new prayer requests that had nothing to do with new toys or you know, better shoes or anything like that. And so one night, my little boy said, very matter of fact, he said, Mom, when are we going to adopt anybody? Or, or when are we going to adopt somebody? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, so the Lord is working here. Mm. And this wasn't like my plan to get, you know, close to the children so I could scope out the, you know, that wasn't the idea at all. I just wanted to, to serve in some way. And so um, I said, well, honey, it's got to it's got to be a family thing. So we got to pray for any, you know, for the adoption to take place. And, you know, God has to talk to daddy and to your sister and to me. Um, and so that's what the kid did every night until his first sister from adoption came. And so, you know, just being close to children and 
it's different than just reading statistics or, or getting to know situations from the news. You get in there, you listen to them, you, you get a phase, you get a, you know, and, and so just getting close to the person, you know, kids are persons. And so we just got close to it. And it's a very long story to tell, but that's how it started, our adoption journey. And then a year later, after our first adoption, we adopted again. And so now we got four uh, beautiful children, two from, you know, miracle of biology and two by the miracle of adoption. Hmm. And how about you, Dave? How'd you get involved a little bit uh, about your story and how you got to be where you are today? Yeah, well, my story is a little bit different. Um, So I was born and raised in Canada um, and really came to know Jesus at about the age of 16. And at that point, I knew that um, following him for me looked like full-time ministry. And so I, um, at the age of 18, right after graduating from high school, decided to come down to Guatemala um, and serve in an orphanage here. Um, And that short-term missions trip turned into the past 16 years of my life. (laughs) So, yeah, I've been um, down in Guatemala for just about... 16 years. Um, so started out working in an orphanage, um, started out just doing maintenance and, and other stuff like that because I couldn't speak Spanish and then uh, slowly moved into taking care of kids. I was a house parent for a number of years and then um, kind of got a little bit more involved in the legal side of things, uh, worked as the social worker and then the clinical director at the orphanage. Uh, and then last year, uh, after a fire uh, at the state-run orphanage killed 41 girls. Um, I was asked to be an advisor for the new deputy secretary of um, the child protection S- system in Guatemala. And so went to work in the government for um, six months of last year. And then this year started out as the director of, of ACH, which is the Christian Alliance for Orphans here in Guatemala. Yeah, so the one thing both of you... Um I know have a huge heart for and have done very, very well uh, in Guatemala and actually throughout Latin America is collaborate, is actually come together with people. I mean, you kind of talked about it there in your answer, David, a little bit um, with the government, but also with the organizations through the ACH. And can you just speak to that and kind of how you have um, effectively collaborated, what it, what that entails and some of the projects that, you, that you're working on? Yeah, so... Um I think collaboration is, is a little hard for us Christians sometimes. <laughs> um, and I definitely remember being there for a long time, just kind of thinking that um, you have kind of the best answers for the situations that you have. Um, but there's a lot of power when you can come together with just humility and realize that there are other people that um, have been through the same situations that you're walking through. Uh, and there's a lot of wisdom to be learned. And so uh, with ACH, one of the things we try to do, uh, and one of the platforms that we use is uh, is a summit that we've had. This will be the fifth summit this year that we're doing, the second Latin American one, um, where we're really looking to broaden the um brought on the platform so we can have more voices in on the conversation, just bringing um, those organizations that have been around for years and those organizations that are starting out um, to get them to learn from from those best practices um, that are happening around Latin America. Um, So really focusing on, for example, with orphanages, um, getting the conversation a little bit deeper um, and more developed about family reunification and mentorship programs. Um, and, um, and for example, in, in foster care and adoption, talking about um, really excellent care, so trauma-informed care, um, those are kind of different things that we're looking to, um, to bring in um, into the conversation. And so the summit is one of the biggest events that we use where we can have everyone in the same room um, listening to the same things and then hopefully from there. Um, and what we've seen is that networks are created and, and lasting relationships are created that that really do uh, end up benefiting the children that are being taken care of in these institutions and families. Yeah, how about you, Aisha? What, what, what do you, uh, any examples of, you know, being that you're in the church, very involved, obviously, with the church, with the Alex being the pastor and and but also being very, very deeply involved with ACH, you know, how, how have you seen the kind of church organizational uh collaborations and, and partnerships working? 
Well, I think as a, as an organization, we've matured a little bit, even though we're very young as an organization. But I can speak for myself. I, I you know, you go in with very high hopes that pastors are going to respond and like, this is a gospel issue. And this is, you know, from the Bible, straight from the Bible. And, you know, this is a central issue. This is not a project. This is not an extra. And, uh, you know, you can get disappointed when people don't get it, you know, mm -hmm. but you have your own journey of where God has taken you from A to B to C in a very patient manner. So um, what I've seen churches do is actually go in one little toe at a time. And, and you know, as people get, um, I, don't, I don't know what the word would be exactly in English, but lured into loving the vulnerable children. Um, as, an, as an organization, we, you, we have to pray and be patient because the best that can happen is a slow and organic of people that really want to love the kids long-term. What we've avoided at all costs is to have people um, get emotional because you can, you know, it's children and it's children from very hard places. So you can play emotional emotions and get responses like quick, but we want to do a very careful movement around everything. Just, you know, in the last couple of months, we've had a tragedy happen with Volcano. And we've been hesitant to respond in haste because we wanted we want to guide people to a long-term relationship with, with those that we want to benefit. And so I think, you know, the networks that, that David uh, is talking about need to be um, rooted in something more than just um, putting out a fire. We, we want to be rooted in the gospel and rooted in, in really, really being obedient to the voice of God in whatever form that, you know, will take, whatever that looks like for the particular church. Uh, for us, I mean, I can talk, you know, from close to home, uh, the fact that we decided to adopt and we adopted kids from the, you know, Guatemalan children from the local system through the only government agency, the only government that's the only agency that, that's actually authorized in Guatemala. Uh, and we went ahead and we adopted a six and a half year old and a nine and, uh, and a half year old you know, broke many molds and, you know, it wasn't our main goal. We wanted to enlarge our family, wanted to bring in children that God had for us. Uh, but, you know, being unbeknownst to us, it broke many chains for people. And a lot of people, you know, started coming out like, hey, I would want to do that. But I was, you know, scared of the system or whatever. So what we're seeing at church is a lot of families are starting to adapt. And so, uh, you know, but that takes time. You know, God works in each heart and you have to be patient for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that I think is very good. I think uh, the word lured sometimes has some negative connotations, but I think everyone out there knows what uh, what you're talking <laughs> okay. about. English um, is my second language. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and that is <laughs> your, your English is way better than my Spanish. So um, I wouldn't even know where to begin to look for that word in Spanish. So um, but I think that everyone knows what you're getting at there. OK. Attracted. And, attracted us. Yeah. Yes. So. Right. And it could be invited in, attracted in, whatever. Yes. So. Um, but uh, but, yeah, I think we all understand what you were what you were saying. And I and I think that that's so wise to, you know, move slowly because, yes. you know, so often we try to go so fast and, uh, and, uh, you know, that usually doesn't work, as you said, with the emotional response that works <laughs> from a quick, you know, if you're looking for a quick short term deal, but the long term <laughs> usually isn't there. So, you know, another thing that you guys have been talking about doing and we've been talking together about it and, uh, just wanted to hear just, you know, kind of where you're at in the air, your thoughts behind it. But, uh, the idea of a Spanish speaking podcast, you know, like this one, but, uh, really for our Spanish-speaking uh, friends and, and colleagues around the world. So um, what are you thinking with that, and, and uh, where are you at with it? Well, David can tell you. Yeah, David, <laughs> what, what, where are we at? Yeah. So um, it kind of just occurred to us one day, I think simultaneously, I, yeah. I 
think Aisha and I just kind of looked at each other like, why don't we do that? Because I think we're both avid listeners of podcast um, and that culture it seems to be growing in Guatemala. It definitely wasn't something that you would have heard of or seen a couple of years ago, but it's growing. And so um, we definitely see the lack of Spanish resources in general uh, in the orphan care world. And so we we thought about starting this this podcast and, and that led to a couple of conversations with you, Phil. And um, we're still we're, we're a lot closer than we've ever been. Um, we, we, we've been getting the, the, the system and all the technical stuff um, ready. Um, thankfully, we've had hope our help sorry, from, from a local church and a local university um, to, to kind of get things organized. But we really just want to be able to provide a resource for families, ministries and churches um, to foster, like you said, that culture of collaboration, uh, working together to share um, those experiences. Because um, this world of orphan care can feel like a really lonely place lots of times. And there's a tremendous power in the shared um, empathy that we can have. Um, and the fruit of that is going to be compassion and kindness and and best practice. And that's what we're, we're really after. So, um, yeah, we definitely want to throw this resource out there and make it available for everyone that can listen to it. Um, and so, yeah, that's where, that's where our hearts are behind it. The thing is with Aisha and myself is that we have big hearts and great vision, but... Technology is our enemy sometimes. So. Yes, we, we. I mean, we struggled getting the Skype going. Phil, so, you know, <laughs> well, we know yeah, I'm with you on that. You know I'm what? with you guys anything, on that. Yes, so, yes, anything that happens with ACH, you know, it's by grace. It's not by power. It's not by by uh, by our wit. It is not at all. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that, you know, there are people out there. I'm assuming there's some people listening, whether you're in Guatemala or elsewhere, and you want to get started on this. Presumably, you'd want to be speaking Spanish because that will help, um, especially yeah. if you're audio editing, things like that. But if you're listening in and you really want to get help get this started, which I imagine there are many people because I can't tell you how many people have talked to me about, you know, whether it's getting my book translated into Spanish or getting the podcast yeah. into Spanish. And I... You know, I really want to do it, but the problem is to sub to to do subtitles or dub. It just doesn't it just doesn't get the, you know, as you just talked. You yeah. know, you kind of proved the point there with the the talking about the Lord yeah. and is there the right. It's just sometimes in your if you're not in your heart language, sometimes it's really hard to get across what you want to do, and yeah. so or or to say. And so I, I know that for sure. And as much as I've wanted to do it in Spanish, I just that would not be a pretty podcast. So. Um, <laughs> You know, but I guess I should probably start calling you David, um, David. Um, you know, if we're going to be doing that and do it properly. But um, so anyway, so yeah, so I, I'm, I'm excited about that, and I think that that's a good. You know, the podcast forum is really a good place to kind of start and encourage collaboration. But at the end of the day, I think it really hopefully will lead to people work really working together. And I know it has with with this podcast where we've had people call different guests, talk to me about connecting them with different guests. And, and it's really been a great kind of collaboration hub where we can connect people to the resources they need. So hopefully it'll be that same thing. Amen. And you guys will be a part of doing that and maybe kicking off some other ones in different countries and different places around the world that we can do the same thing. That's, that's my hope and dream for all yeah. this is that we can do that in all over the world. So that's thank nice. you for picking that up. And, and the, again, I am serious. If folks out there, if you want to just either even contact me, I can connect you with Aisha and, and Dave and about, um, you know, getting that started. That'd be a fantastic thing. Um, Amen. Yeah. So anything else uh, you'd want to add on, on, uh, Kind of examples, David, about um, different collaborations. If not, we can we can move on. Yeah. Well, one of the things um, uh, that Aisha mentioned to made reference to was um, after the volcano. Uh, like she said, we our posture is to really um, to be discerning because there's a lot of emotional responses, and we see a lot of people being very generous in the short term. But we are um, we want to have a long term vision for this, and so. Hundreds of people are dead. Thousands of families are are mis um, are sorry displaced, and so um, we really did just sit back and pray about how God wanted us to respond. And in that, the um, we got a call from the government um, who told us that they were not going to be sending any kids to orphanages because of this. They were they were taking a stand that they did not want to institutionalize any kids because of this natural disaster, and that they um, had over 65 families. Um, sign up to be foster care families. 
Now, in Guatemala, over the past five years, there's traditionally been an average of 20 to 25 foster care families. So the fact that they got an influx of 65 families is is incredible. Amazing. Yeah, it more than doubles the amount of families that they've been able to to um, to bring in over the past few years. And so. Um, they contacted us um, for the training piece and for the the follow-up piece, which is pretty exciting because we're going to have the opportunity to um, to partner with we've we've partnered in the past with back-to-back ministries using trauma competent caregiving, which is by far the best um, comprehensive hand-on training that I've seen. Um, in orphan care for foster families or, or orphanages or, or adoptive families. Um, and so we're going to be able to use that material to train up these families, which is a beginning piece. We're also hoping to give them a, um, a set of DVDs of TB, TBRI, which are already in Spanish, um, and follow up with them um, with wraparound services uh, from their church and from families that we're also going to be raising up to to come alongside them. So um, it's a pretty amazing opportunity that God just put in our laps. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really do mm-hmm. anything except answer the phone. So, um, but we're really excited to move forward with this. We see it as a good way to um, invest in these families that are going to that are going to be taking in the kids that were orphaned or displaced by the volcano. Um, and this is where these kids are going to grow up. They're not going to be able to go back to their village that was completely destroyed. But um, we're going to have a say. And also, um, we also have the freedom to even speak of the gospel and, and live that out to these families. And hopefully, um, th- they will be able to offer that to these kids that are brought in, too. So that's a pretty exciting opportunity where we're able to collaborate, too, with the government. Right. And I love that. Yeah. I love hearing that. and. You know, even I talk to people about this all the time. Sometimes it's simple. Like, you know, you didn't try to figure out how to do all that training because back to back has had some tremendous success doing that training. And, and they have amazing training as we've talked to Guckenberger on the show a couple of times. And uh, I love, you know, you just say, hey, how can we work together? Which is fantastic. So um, I'm going to change gears a little bit. Aisha at, at the at the uh, collaborate, speaking of um, summit yeah. there at. Pre, uh, it was a pre-intensive at, at the Christian Alliance Forth and Summit. Recently, you talked about the importance of sound doctrine um, in yeah. our pursuit of excellence in the care of orphaned and vulnerable children. Can you just, you know, yeah. not obviously not give the entire talk here because we can, you know, that we don't have the time for that. But can you just kind of yeah. give the the audience an understanding of just the the gist of what you talked about there and the importance of do- of sound doctrine as we're as we're working with yeah. the children? Um, this is very deep and it's very. Uh, you know, it's a very delicate thing to talk about in Latin America, but we have to say it because it's true. Uh, we are invaded by really bad theology in the best case because pastors not being really prepared to be pastors, um, really bad teaching. That's the lighter side. And on the darker side, we have just heresy being taught. And, you know, the prosperity gospel just ravishing uh, people that are in need of material, you know, um, success. And, and so they tap into that desire in people. And it is no coincidence that the, the more widespread that teaching is, the less the people lean in toward a theology of suffering. And this is what adoption, foster care, and just getting involved in in broken lives looks like. You are choosing your cross. You're choosing to walk a very difficult mile. And there's no mention of that in most churches in Latin America. So people are constantly surprised by suffering. So if you don't have a basis of what, what the gospel really is, you will not have a, a, a very good way of approaching suffering because this is what it is. You know, you have to walk with the kids in their grief. You have to acknowledge that, you know, it's not a demon. It's not, a, 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 you know, um, an evil spirit because that's, a, that's stuff that you hear. You still hear this in churches here. Like, don't adopt that child. You don't know what spirit is in him. You know, you don't know the fortifier. 
I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you... And so um, there is not only misinformation, but there is a longstanding, you know, just really bad teaching mm-hmm. everywhere. So it it goes hand in hand that if, if you don't get, uh, you know, that, the, that our Christ is a suffering Christ and those who walk after him will walk like him, of course you will not get an adoption culture. You will not have open doors in, in, you know, and if they do, because you have a lot of people, I'm not saying that they, that we don't have brothers and sisters that go and love the least of these, but a lot of ministries in churches, what, what does it look like to get involved in, in, you know, in, in orphan care? Oh, you get a team of people to dress up, to go as clowns, to bring birthday cake and to bring a piñata and to have a party. And and the kid and you know and David can attest to this. He worked in Southern Orphanage, and he got visits from churches nonstop every weekend of the year, doing basically the same thing. And that is simply not effective. And why do we do that? Because we we are not really discerning. We are not really wanting to get to the to the nitty-gritty of the thing you know we, we don't want to get in the mud we want to make ourselves feel good and i'm sorry i sound harsh but that's just what it is so we want to feel like we do stuff for god and we but you know people come in take a picture from facebook they post it and they, you know i'm so good and they pat themselves on the back and then they leave and this is the reason why the, the you know the director of the home looked at me and said yes come back every Wednesday because people don't come back they they visit they do party and they and they leave so mm-hmm. there's so many layers that don't get you know explored when when bad theology is in place we 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 want we want to get it over with we want suffering to be under the rug and we don't want it to touch our own hurts. Because that's what it does. It, it uncovers your own hurts. So anyway, it's very deep. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I, it reminds me of the conversation I had with Andy Crouch early on the first season of, of the show where he talked about the fact that we need to enter into the suffering if we're ever really going to be able to flourish. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we need to understand it. And that's the vulnerability that, that he talks about mm-hmm. in his book called Strong and Weak. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that, that absolutely just... It reminded me of that as you were as you were talking through that to say you know you can't ignore it because when you ignore it when you pretend it's not there when you pretend there's not going to be the suffering which is what you know some of these false gospels are are preaching yeah <clears throat> then we're just we're really never going to be able to really flourish and so I, mm-hmm. I fully appreciate it which is why I wanted you to to share that and that's just a, a taste of what of what she talked about folks and it, and it was really really good I don't know I don't think that's available I don't know that it was recorded but you also spoke on the main stage about it and it wasn't quite as long but it was you know you got yeah. the, the gist of it um so if you you can get that folks you can you can buy that that means main session that that aisha spoke at during the the kfo summit so very much strongly encourage doing that if, if you're out there and you're able to get access to that so that you know that brings us really to the last couple questions here um you know we could talk about these things for a, for a lot longer but um you know unfortunately we're a little limited by time so hopefully you guys will get that podcast going soon and then if you don't know Spanish out there you can learn Spanish and you can listen uh, <laughs> to it um but uh, cuz there's so much more where this came from but I, I am glad that there are, our audience got a little taste of, of the great work that God's doing in and through you guys. But the the questions that we ask everybody, I'd like to hear from both of you on this. Um, you know, what have you what have you read? And we can start with David. What have you read, watched, or listened to lately that has impacted your thinking on how we can love orphan and vulnerable children? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's always so exciting when you encounter new things to read or. Um, new things to listen to because I, I feel like there's not a lot out there. But um, I think well, one of the books that I've been reading and, and rereading and going back to a lot, um, um, Brainstorm by Dan Siegel. Uh, I, I love working with adolescents and working with teenagers. And so that's been a really, really good book, very practical. Um, it's been a really good resource rate lately. And also um, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Um, really good uh, psychiatrist who worked a lot with 
post-traumatic stress disorder and, and just goes really into detail about the, the effects of t- trauma and his work with um, people who have suffered through trauma. And so, um, yeah, those are probably two books that I go back to a lot recently um, in as far as taking care of kids that have been through traumatic situations and, and helping them on their ro- road to recovery. Um, yeah, okay. so that's my two cents. Cool. How about you, Aisha? Okay, well... Um, I always love to go back to Russell Moore's stuff, everything he re- he writes, everything he talks about, and it's always so Christ-centered that I just find it very encouraging. And also, I've recently discovered, you know, ever since December, I've been listening to and reading uh, Diane Langberg. I actually, someone retweeted something from her, and I just got caught this woman is brilliant and she specializes in 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 abuse cases but it is so helpful in it because she's an expert in in church environment so i highly encourage you to google diane langberg it it's going to blow your mind so she's so good great now now uh, aisha why don't you answer the last question first one with dave um, what person has most impacted your thinking on how we can love orphan and vulnerable children with excellence? Oh my goodness. Thankfully, I have, you know, several names in my mind, but there's a lady in Mexico City. Uh, she was a, a child of the streets, literally. She was feral. And uh, the Lord saved her in jail after a really hard life. And she has dedicated devoted entire existence to picking up people and kids with mental, like heavy, heavy mental issues. Uh, and I just visited her her home um, last month in Mexico City. And it is just, you know, just astounding how she's depending on the Lord and there is no... Um, there actually is no limitation when God calls. He He equips you, He provides for you, and she is just fearless. Like so, I just every time I get to see anything of hers or or know about what she's doing, she's in the hospital right now, uh, getting a diagnosed because uh, we don't know if she has um, lung cancer. But she's just the kind of woman that I want to be when I grow up. Hmm. Her name is Rosilia Ruiz, by the way. All right. How about you, Dave? Yeah, there there are a couple people, like I just said, that, that come to mind. But I think as far as pursuing, um, just raising the standard of care for orphans, I think the most important voice in my life right now um, is that of our... Um, of, of our son now, he's lived with us. He aged out of the orphanage where we used to work at, and he's been with us for about two and a half years. And um, it's been incredible to see as his journey has come along in the context of a family now, he's just getting his voice back and he's he's yeah. finally processing all these things that he's gone through. And so his insights to what he lived through has been by far the most um, impacting voice that I can listen to as far as um, changes that should be made in the future. Um, specifically with kids living in orphanages. So just the struggles that he's going through and the things that he shares, um, it really just motivates me to to have a louder voice into these organizations and institutions where um, un, unwillingly and not with, with, it's not their intention, but they do a lot of damage. And I think people like Aisha said, they really come with good intentions, but um, in this orphan care world, good intentions are by far not enough and mm-hmm. so I think that's the most important and strongest voice for me right now is um, yeah a kid that who who lived it so absolutely well thanks so much to both of you um, thanks for sharing your wisdom thanks for sharing uh, with our audience some of those things you're doing but most of all thank you for what you guys are doing and thinking and, and just the models you are for so many of us doing this work around the world so thanks guys thank you for yeah, having thank us you so well, thanks again, Aisha and David, for uh, just sharing with us all the great stuff that you guys are doing and, and some of the amazing uh, just wisdom that I, I know came from from both of you. Uh, so, Rick, you know, I know you had some some really good thoughts after hearing these interview or this interview with these folks. Uh, can you share a little bit of that with us? 
Absolutely, man. I, you know, first thing I think I would I would point out about both of them um, is the simplicity of their stories and and like how they got started. Mm. Um, the the fact is that that both of them their stories are the embodiment of James one twenty seven. Uh, Aisha tells you know tells us that that the way that she got into all of this incredible work that she's doing, um, you know, with, with her local church, it started because because she went and, and visited kids at an orphanage, right? Mm-hmm. Just simply, she was just there. She was present. She, she placed herself in, in that position. And then, and then she just, she went back, right? Which is the, which is like the full living of James one twenty seven. You know, we, we, we laugh, we joke about the fact that the word visit there doesn't mean go by and take them a donut, right? right? It, it means like dwell with them, pastor mm-hmm. them, shepherd them. And that's what she did. Um, and, and, and look at the things that God has opened up for both of them. David, you know, talks about this idea of, of, you know, going to, going to an orphanage and having this great desire to serve, but he didn't even speak Spanish. And so, so he, he, like he cleaned the place up, <laughs> like he, yeah. he just humbled himself and, and served. And, and I think there's, I think there's a great word in that for all of us that, you know, we think about these big grand actions sometimes that, that we have to do in order to confront the orphan crisis when when really what God's calling us to do is to do the simple things, um, you know, to go and to visit and to engage. And, and they're both, you know, great examples of that. Uh, they're also great examples of of having a healthy understanding of the gospel. Right. Um like you, you, like you can't hear Aisha speak. Um, you know, you and I were talking about it, hearing her, hearing her speak at CAFO. Yep. Um, and you know, and man, I was just captivated by the story and by you know by what um, by what she was able to tell. But but part of that was just how richly grounded in the gospel um, everything is for her, and and this idea that that it's not good enough just to help on on you know, purely human terms, but, but we are, as we're caring for orphans, we're, we're showing the world and we're telling the world something, you know, deeply different and deeply unique about Jesus and about the redemption that we find in him. And, and, and I love her coming from a pastoral perspective to say that, that in, in shepherding and leading the church, we always have to drive people back to the gospel. Yep. No, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you what, like that was what I loved hearing her share on the, during the interview, because I've had the privilege of, of getting to hang out with both these folks. And, and I'll tell you what, they're, they're the real deal. They're not, you know, something I get the, the privilege of, interv- you know, being able to hang out and get to know a lot of the people on this show. And, and I wouldn't have someone on if they didn't have the integrity of, of, you know, saying what, you know, living out what they're talking about. And both of these absolutely do. And, you know, I just love that, like, the gospel just exudes from Aisha. When she talks, you just see a, a person. I mean, you hear a person, you see a person that's just on fire for the Lord. And, you know, it comes through even on the audio, right? Like, you right. hear, like, she gets it and she believes it and she just loves to share it. And and it's it's not a... It's not a popular message to some, right? You know, it's theology of suffering, right? Like that's not that's not fun. That's not something that you're like, you know, getting the standing ovations on the on the stage. And you know, her church in Guatemala has thirty thousand or something people at it. It's crazy. And usually those churches don't have, you know, true amazing just gospel being preached. But it shows the power of the gospel. Like this is something that people are hungry for, right? And and I just loved that about her. I love it about her. And you know, and and David as well. Just the other thing that came up <clears throat> in this interview that's so true to what they're doing is, and of course it comes up because it's my heartbeat, right? Like the collaboration that they are working with other organizations all over Latin America. And they have a heart for like, look, we have some really cool things going on here and we want to share it with everyone else throughout Latin America. We want to start a podcast in Spanish, which doesn't exist right now. And I love that. And I've been working with them and I can't wait to get that out there. Um, so, the, you know, that's the type of stuff that I love, absolutely love hearing about. And you and I have talked about it in the, over the last couple of shows. Like, 
folks out there, like, share these stories with us so we can share them with the world, right? Like, this is a, a rare opportunity we have, you know, in our world to be able to share it with all kinds of people all over. So, you know, even in the last week or two, I've, I'm so excited. I've received uh, emails and some different messages with suggestions for interviews. And I've already you know, reached out to a couple people and we'll continue to reach out to more. And so keep those coming, folks, because these stories are out there. I mean, I get, I'm, I'd be surprised if everyone listening doesn't have three or four stories right off the top of their head, like Aisha's and like David's. Absolutely, man. There's so much, there's so much to learn, you know, Mm -hmm. from, from these, from these root stories. I mean, you know, they, even, even as they were talking about the, uh, you know, the whole situation with the volcano and, and, you know, really kind of talking about an inherently practical situation in Guatemala, but, but to hear, um, the intentionality to hear the collaboration that's going on between, um, but, you know, between the, the Orphan Care Alliance there and the government. But this, this idea that they were not rushing to a solution um, based on emotion. They, and they also weren't rush, rushing to a solution merely based on need. Um, there was a sense of really focusing on on you know meeting the need, but not doing it in in a way that would cause more harm or that would be you know that would be short sighted. Um, and and I, I think you know they set such a great example for us of you know of, of really being principle driven, of being mission driven, um, you know keeping their focus on the gospel, but then also f- keeping their focus on you know on what's best. Um, and and having that kind of influential you know voice to be able to come alongside the government and then including you know people like back to back and and you know using TBRI principles and you know things that are coming from TCU and and really pulling those things together in a in a really deeply collaborative solution. Just really thankful for the way that they challenge us um, to you know to to be that in our own ministries to be that on our own corner as well. Yeah, you know, there, there's as always, we could we could talk forever about these these two, but you know, there were a couple things in their in their interview as well and their recommendations that stuck out to me that were actually kind of funny. Like <laughs> Karen made an appearance in this episode because of the reference to Zan, Dan Siegel. I don't know how many episodes you listen to, but she talks about Dan Siegel all the time, and he wrote Brainstorm, which is what. Uh, um, David recommended right in in his in his conversation, um, and I you know he referenced a couple other I think he might have referenced a couple other ref, you know talked about Dan Siegel and the impact he's had impact he's had and that's a guy we still want to get on the show so if any of you folks know him <laughs> that you know Karen's gonna kill me if I don't let her do that interview too so um, that that's that's a guy that that hopefully we can get on the show sometime. You know, one of these days. But then also your boy, uh, Dr. Moore, you know, is recognized. Yeah, Russ by, got a shout know, out. By uh, David. So, you know, I thought, yeah. you know, I don't know if you want to say anything about that, but, you know, just that, 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 yeah, that I mean, your bud. So I, I think, thought that was you know, cool. obviously, obviously, um, you know, I love Russ to death and, and been friends for a long time, but I think, um, he's one of the, he's one of the big voices in this area and, and one of the big voices in just, uh, you know, the area of living, living as a believer in culture. Um, you know, his, his new, the new book that he's just put out this, you know, the storm toss family, uh, man, we've been recommending that thing left and right to people. Um, and that's, that's, it's great for adoptive families. It's great for foster families, but it's great for just anybody's family. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of talks about the difficulty of living in the middle of the storms of life mm-hmm. and about how we find our anchor in the gospel. Um, and so, you know, highly recommend if, if, if Russell Moore wrote it, um, it's, it's worth reading. Uh, I haven't read anything yet that I was, you know, that I was disappointed in. I also, you know, Aisha talked about, uh, Diane Langberg mm-hmm. and man, like I absolutely have to admit I am totally turning into a fanboy. Um, <laughs> she is her, she's amazing and has, has such a, a great perspective coming from, you know, from a faith-based perspective, but, but talking about, um, you know, difficulties and trauma, some of the things she's written about narcissism and leadership, 
um, are are deeply challenging and and right on point for those of us that are leading in ministry um, to to really kind of draw some wisdom about how we need to guard our hearts and how we need to guard our lives and about the implications of how that can can affect the people that we lead. And so um, I would you know highly again that's that's another recommendation that I would want to make sure that folks hear um, that if you can, if you pick up something by Diane Langberg, that's going to be, uh, you know, helpful. Yeah. You know, uh, the storm tossed family, that's, that's the name of it, right? Yep. I'm saying that right. Yeah. I think that was the book of the year in Christianity today. One of it was. Many, yeah. It was. I think it was like the like big time. They had it's, a little excerpt from it or something in, in last, last episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So, you know, that's, that's a decent endorsement too. You know, they're, that's not that easy to do. Orphanology was book of the year one year, right? Um, it for, it was for, um, a ladies book club oh, somewhere okay. in Yakima, Washington. Okay. I knew I saw it somewhere. It I couldn't remember. It was their, it was their book it was. of the year. Yeah. There were two ladies. One of them was my mom. Okay. Well, good. Um, well, good. Well, you know, that's something, something you always got that to, <laughs> to hold on to. So, you know, with that, we're going to go into our recommendations now, you know, because I know everyone waits on, you know, with bated breath for our recommendations every episode. So, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to disappoint this week because both of us have a recommendation. You know, and mine, mine is something uh, I've talked about before on the show, but with Aisha's just solid gospel, you know, conversation and discussion, I, I couldn't go without, especially talking about the, the- theology of suffering and uh, Desiring God by John Piper is a book that, you know, for those of you who know my story, that was one of the books that, that, you know, directed me to, uh, orphan care, you know, indirectly, but it was one of the books that got me into this work. So, um, that book definitely talks about that, the joy and suffering. And it's something that isn't easy. It's not something that, that we go to, um, normally in our, in our flesh, but it's something that when we truly understand all this, we can, we can see, um, you know, the eternal perspective in, in all this. And what our role is in that. So that's that's a book that I that I got. Uh, Rick, what do you got for us? Man, I've got a, a little bit of a maybe an interesting recommendation, but it's a it's a book called Scary God, uh, introducing the fear of the Lord to the postmodern church by a guy named Matty Montgomery. Um, and it's really a book I've read recently that's really challenged my thinking a little bit. I, I think a lot of times in in the world that we are are in where we're ministering to orphan and vulnerable children. We talk a lot about kids coming from hard places and, you know, kind of that fight flight or or freeze reaction that kids have and 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 really like getting away from fear based reactions. Um, and sometimes I wonder if that makes us soft pedal the understanding of God that God is fierce, <laughs> that that God God commands fear. Um, and, and so it's really just kind of a healthy biblical perspective to go back and say, what does it mean to have a fierce God who is our defender, who is our portion? Um, you know, Montgomery talks about the idea that that he wants God to be like our Goliath figure that descends down into the valley as our champion and fights for us. Obviously, um, you know, f- fighting for the right thing and that, you know, and, and I reflected back even, you know, as a, you know, as a kid looking at my father, you know, I remember my dad had this look, right, uh, that I never wanted to see what was on the other side of that look. Um, there was never, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that I lived in fear as a child. It was the fact that I had a, I had a healthy amount of respect and a healthy amount of awe for my dad and, and for the fact that, you know, that, it, but, but I also believed in his strength. I believed in his, you know, his, his ability and, and there was a healthy fear that helped me um, to, you know, to learn to live well and to learn to manage myself. And so just talking about in, a, in an era when we're, tr- when we're really s- stripping away that understanding of the fearsome nature of God, how do we need to reconnect with that in order to understand all that our Heavenly Father is? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't help but think of, of Narnia, right, with Aslan. And, yeah. you know, is he is he safe? Well, of course not, but he's good. But beyond that, right. just reading through those books with my kids and, and myself, just going through them and, and seeing that they were afraid of the lion a lot of the time. Yeah. Right? But, you know, that didn't stop them from, from 
really getting close as well. So it's like, and, and I love the, yeah, I love that. I love that. So, well, thanks for that recommendation, Rick. Um, and, uh, you know, I love, I love getting recommendations from you and whether it's Karen, whatever, cause it's books that I now get to add to my already long list. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately it's not one I've read already, but, um, but fortunately also, cause I now get to enjoy it. So folks, you know, like that, I, I, I do hope and pray that you take these recommendations that, that we give you we, and you can, you can uh, encourage you to read those and, and let us know what you think about those as well. But I, take, I, I do pray that you take all that you're, uh, you're learning from this, uh, from this show, from today, from the interview with Aisha and David, from the conversation that Rick and I had, um, even the one that we talked about, even why we call this thing Orphan and why we have kept the name. You take all these things and you, and you use it to help you to know how you can love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. And have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. And for all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening. And we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan. Think Orphan.